And now, brothers and sisters, let's take out our Bibles together. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 today, and starting in verse 1. First Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now today we begin the final chapter of 1 Corinthians. This is the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, believe it or not. We have been in 1 Corinthians since last August. But I don't know about you, it just doesn't seem like that to me because every week there's a different topic. It's addressed so many different things. Very practical for our lives. But this is the last chapter as we begin today of 1 Corinthians. And today we're talking about... The significance of Sunday, the Lord's Day. What do you think of when Sunday is about to roll around? How do you feel when Sunday's coming up? Throughout my life, I've felt many different things. Like when I was a young kid, I would get very excited because it meant I'm going to church to see my friends and we're going to play, right? That's what it meant when I was really young. Or maybe I can get a piece of candy from my Sunday school teacher, right? That was when I was really young. When I got to be a little bit older, probably a teenager, I started to dread the Sunday coming because even though Sunday school didn't start until 9.30, for a teenager, that was early. And so I would stay up way too late on Saturday night because it was the weekend and it wasn't a school night. And then I would get up or be gotten up on Sunday morning and my parents would make sure that I was in church whether I was tired or not. And then... I grew up to, to, you know, more young adulthood, uh, and there were times where I wanted to go, and honestly, there were times where I didn't. It was the weekend. There was Saturday, and then there was Sunday, and then it was back to the 9 to 5, or 8 to 5 grind. And now we've come to the point, at least in my life, and I know this is not the same in everyone's life, but in my life, Sunday is just one one of the biggest blessings in my entire life, every week. To be here in this place and to sing with you all. To sing with you all. After nine weeks of not being able to gather during COVID, I will never take that for granted again. To sing with you. And to to sing out at the top of our lungs. It's one of the best things for me in my life every week. And I am blessed, extraordinarily blessed, to be able most weeks to study hard on God's Word and then to give it out to you each week. Well, today we're going to look at the significance of Sunday, the Lord's Day, for the Christian. I want to start by reading our text. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I'll read verses 1 through 4. Paul writes to us, and this is God's Word through the Apostle Paul to us, Now concerning the collection of the saints, As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Now, this short text has a lot to do with giving, but today's not going to be a sermon on giving. Lord willing, I do a sermon on giving around every January and have since I've gotten here at Columbia Christian, and Lord willing, we'll have another one this January. But this is not a sermon on giving today. Today, I want to focus on that phrase in verse 2, on the first day of every week. Today, we're focusing on the significance of the first day of the week for the church Specifically, I want to ask a couple questions about the first day of the week. 
Number one is this. Why do we gather on the first day of the week? Why do we do this every Sunday morning? Why do we gather together as a body of believers, as a body of Christ, as Christians, on Sunday mornings? Well, there's a couple reasons. Number one, and most significantly, most importantly, we worship on Sunday mornings. We gather together as Christians on Sundays because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday morning. Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday, and so we gather together as Christians on a Sunday. All four of our gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, attest to this. For example, in John chapter 20, verse 1, we read, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Jesus died, as we know, on a Friday and stayed dead all that night and all the next day, Saturday, and he rose from the grave on Sunday morning. And it is fitting, it is fitting that the church should gather weekly on the same day of the event that confirmed Jesus as the Savior of the world and the divine Son of God. The event where God gave his stamp of approval to Jesus as his Savior. Yes, it was accomplished. It was finished. Salvation accomplished on the cross for everyone. And we know that it was because Jesus rose from the dead. And it is fitting that he rose on a Sunday and we worship on Sunday as Christians. And so every Sunday morning that we come together is a celebration that Jesus rose from the dead. That is part of what we're doing when we gather here. We're celebrating that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, that's not all we're doing, right? When we take communion, for example, that's more of a somber time. That's more of a somber remembrance of Jesus' death and what that means for us and our sin. So it's not all we're doing, but it is an important part of what we're doing, celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive, that he rose from the dead. If you pay attention to the hymns that we sing, many of our hymns, We'll end with a verse where we sing about the resurrection and the defeat of death and the hope that we have because of that event. It's very fitting. And so the resurrection is central to our gatherings each and every time we come together for Sunday worship. We gather together on Sunday mornings, first and foremost, because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. Now we also gather together on Sundays because when we look back at the New Testament And in the first couple centuries after Jesus, the pattern of the early church was to gather on a Sunday. We gather on Sundays because when the church began immediately after Pentecost, Christians began to gather weekly on Sundays. We see this in the New Testament from places like our text today, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. Now there, Paul references a collection that they were taking up for the church in Jerusalem. Now, if you know a little bit about your New Testament history, the church in Jerusalem was very poor and very persecuted compared to many of the churches in that day. Why? Well, because in Jerusalem, that was the capital city of the Jews, right? And so the church in Jerusalem was made up mostly of Jews who had converted over from Judaism to Christianity. And now living in Jerusalem, they're having a really hard time with persecution, They're having a really hard time with people who are still Jewish and not believing in this this Jesus character, wanting to do things by the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. They're having a really hard time in the first century, the church in Jerusalem. So Paul goes around to his other churches, made up of many Gentiles, in fact, and says, we need to take up a collection for the saints in Jerusalem because they're struggling, right? 
But notice how Paul in verse 2 says, on the first day of the week, I want each of you, now he's writing to the church in Corinth here, I want each of you to put something aside, store it up as he may prosper. Really, that just means according to your income, right? According to how the Lord has prospered you. There's not a set amount that you set aside, more of a percentage, right? But he says, set it aside every week. Why does he say do it on the first day of the week? Why were they supposed to set money aside on the first day of the week? Well, it's because that's when they gathered. That's when they could place it into one collection, when they were together. We also see the first day of the week being when the the believers gathered in the early church in Acts chapter 20. Listen to this verse from Acts 20 verse 7. It says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread... Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Now here we find the believers gathered together to break bread and Paul preaching a sermon on the first day of the week, on Sunday. Now we also find in this verse, warrant for the preacher to go on preaching until midnight. So I hope you brought your snacks, right? But actually, if you go on reading that passage, it's, it's, a, it's a funny passage. Paul preached until midnight. There was a young man named Eutychus who was sitting in a windowsill, right? And he was listening to Paul. Paul goes on preaching until midnight. The young man falls asleep in the window, falls down three stories, and dies. Paul walks down three stories on the steps, raises him from the grave, walks back up three stories, and continues preaching until the sun came up. In that text right there, Acts chapter 20, read it when you get home. This great text, great for preachers. I mean, just great for preachers. But we know from the early church evidence in the New Testament that they gathered together on the first day of the week. We also know that as the church began, it began not just with Jews, but with many Gentiles. When the church began after Pentecost, right, it was not just Jewish people anymore believing in God and being God's people, now all of a sudden salvation was open. We see this in places like Acts chapter 10. Salvation was open to more than just Jews. It was Gentiles too. And when the church began, it exploded with many Gentiles. And that's interesting because of this. These were people who did not grow up in families that observed the Old Testament laws. Gentiles didn't have the Old Testament laws. They didn't grow up in Jewish families. And so while Jews would attend synagogue on Saturday, the Sabbath, Gentiles had no reason to do that. They had never done that in their entire lives. And so they began to meet on early Sunday mornings. They began to meet on the day Christ rose from the dead. And they would worship early on Sunday before the tasks and the business of the day needed to be tended to. And so with so many Gentiles in the church, the accepted day of the week for believers to gather and worship God started shifting over from Saturday to Sunday. And it wasn't long at all before it became the accepted day for believers all over the place to gather, to be on Sunday. And not only are evidence in the Bible, but we have a wealth of early church resources from outside the Bible in the first few decades and first few centuries after Christ. And they show us that the church met on Sundays. Those early churches in the early centuries met on Sundays. For example, a well-known church manual from the early 2nd century known as the Didache says that believers were to meet for corporate worship on the Lord's Day to break bread and to give thanks. That's not in the Bible. That's an extra-biblical document from the early 2nd century. 
And so, why do we meet on Sundays? Why do we have church on Sunday mornings? Well, it's because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday morning. It's fitting. And not only that, but we see Christians from the time of Pentecost on gathering to meet on a Sunday. And so we are following in their example. But the next question, I think, naturally arises from this. The next question is, well, is Sunday then now the Christian Sabbath? Is Sunday the Christian Sabbath? That's the question I think that naturally arises from this, because in the Old Testament, God told the Jews to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The seventh day of the week, Saturday, was supposed to be one day of the week consecrated to the Lord by the Jewish people. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's the fourth of the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses while he was on Mount Sinai and to all the Jewish people. They were to rest from all their work on that day, just as God rested on the seventh day of creation. And so now that we are in the new covenant, the question then is, is Sunday the new Sabbath day? And the short answer is, no, it is not. Now I'll give you some reasons for that. First, the Sabbath was given to the Jews as a sign of the Mosaic covenant that God made with his people on Mount Sinai. For Christians, the Bible is clear. We are not under the Mosaic covenant We are under a new covenant. Places like Romans chapter 6 verse 4 tell us, You are not under the law, but under grace. Galatians 5.18, If you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. Or perhaps most clearly in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13, where it says, In speaking of a new covenant, He makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. When Jesus came, there were many parts of the Old Covenant that He fulfilled, and those practices ended with Jesus. Now, the New Testament does reinstate or reestablish a number of Old Testament commandments, showing us that they are binding for all time. There's a number of commandments that you can find in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant law, that are binding for all time. They're reinstated and reestablished in the New Testament. But it's interesting that the New Testament never does that with the commandment to observe the Sabbath, Saturday. In fact, every one of the Ten Commandments, every one of the Ten Commandments is reinstated in the New Testament except for the fourth, the commandment to observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath was part of a Jewish ceremonial law. And as Gentile Christians, we are not under that law. And so we do not, for example, we do not observe Passover, do we? Now you can, but you are not required to by the Bible as a Gentile Christian. We don't observe the festival of booths, which was clear that the Jews were to do so as a command of the Lord. We don't sacrifice animals for our sins anymore. Jesus is the once for all sacrifice. We don't have to follow the dietary laws of the Old Testament and thank the Lord for that because, you know, bacon... We don't follow the cleanliness laws. We don't follow the cleanliness laws of the Old Testament. There are all kinds of things in the Old Testament that we no longer go by, these ceremonial laws. And the Sabbath is one of them. Now, furthermore, we have Jesus' ministry and teaching about the Sabbath. The Sabbath was actually of special interest to Jesus during his time on this earth. He frequently healed on the Sabbath intentionally, to confront the Pharisees about their legalism. 
He frequently did that. Jesus said that he was Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And Jesus even says in John 5, 17, that he, like his Father in heaven, works on the Sabbath. So, as a Christian, in the New Covenant, you are not required to keep the Sabbath as it is explained in the Old Testament. Saturday, the Sabbath, Saturday is no longer a mandatory day of rest. Do whatever you want on Saturday. But Sunday also, brothers and sisters, Sunday is also not a mandatory day of rest. You won't find that anywhere in the Bible. It's a tradition that many have carried over from believing that just because Sunday is the day we gather, it is also the Sabbath. Brothers and sisters, you will not find a reference to Sunday as the Sabbath anywhere in Scripture. Some of us may have grown up being taught that Sunday was the Sabbath, but you simply will not find it in the Bible. We are a New Testament church, brothers and sisters. We are a New Testament church. The restoration movement from which our church gets its heritage was based on having a New Testament reason for everything we do. We need a New Testament reason for everything we do. If it's in the New Testament, we're going to do it. If it's not in the New Testament, we refuse to require it. If it's in the New Testament, we're going to do it. If it's not in the New Testament, we refuse to require it. It was not, believe it or not, it was, it was not until the reign of Constantine in the early 300s that Sunday was declared a day where work should not be done and businesses should be closed. Up until the reign of Constantine, that, that was unheard of. Sunday was just another day. But Constantine, if you remember, if you know a little bit about your history, Constantine was the first Roman emperor to convert to Christianity, which in the time of the Bible, would have been unheard of. But the Roman emperor in the early 300s actually converted to Christianity. And when he did, he started to make laws that made it easier for Christians to gather for worship on that day. But nowhere in the Bible will you find the idea that Sunday is the new Sabbath. You only find Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, being observed by Jews under the Old Covenant. And so having said that, where does that leave Sunday, though? What's Sunday all about? What's the significance of Sunday? Should not Sunday be an important day to us as believers? Well, I think absolutely. Now, number one, I need to mention this. Even though Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath, I firmly believe that the Sabbath as a principle is something that we should all practice. The Sabbath as a principle. What I mean by that is this. You need, as a human being, you need regular rest and recharging. You're just a human being. You need regular rest and recharging. You need recreation. That word recreation, if you've ever noticed it, is re-creation. You ever thought about that? We need regular rest and recharging, recreation. And one day per week is a good and wise rule of thumb. We don't need to be dogmatic about it because the Bible never lays that burden on New Testament Christians. But one day a week is a good rule of thumb, brothers and sisters. Work six, rest one. It's what the Lord did when he created the world. He didn't rest because he needed to rest. So why did he do it? Probably as an example for us that we would need to do that. 
But where does this leave Sunday? What, what, what special significance does Sunday have for Christians? Well, Sunday is the Lord's Day. Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath, but Sunday is the Lord's Day. Listen to Revelation 1, verse 10, where John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Now that verse right there doesn't say the Lord's Day is Sunday. It doesn't say that. And so we've got to do a little bit of digging. We've got to do a little bit of thinking. But it is very significant that when John was writing the book of Revelation, Revelation, if you don't know, was the the latest of all the New Testament books, the date that we, we can generally agree upon. Almost all scholars agree that it was right around 90 A.D., right around the end of that first century. And it's significant that by then there was a day known as the Lord's Day, and John could refer to it and assume that his readers know what he's talking about. He refers to the Lord's Day, and he doesn't explain it. He assumes that his readers just know what the Lord's Day is. And it makes complete sense that the Lord's Day would be the day that he, the Lord, rose from the dead. The Lord's Day, almost everyone agrees from that passage, the Lord's Day is Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's Day. And so if Sunday is the Lord's day, even though everything is the Lord's, even though every day really is the Lord's, there is a special significance about Sunday being the Lord's day. And so if that's so, how should we observe the Lord's day? How should we as Christians observe the Lord's day? Now again, the Bible doesn't tell us much. And so we're not going to lay a bunch of rules on people. That's legalism. Legalism is when you start giving people rules where the Bible never made a rule, right? We can't do that. We can't give a bunch of rules about Sunday that the Bible never lays on people. But Scripture does show us that Sunday is a day for gathering with the body of Christ. Sunday, the Lord's Day, is a day for gathering with the body of Christ. We see it in 1 Corinthians 16. We see it in Acts chapter 20. And as Hebrews 10.24 tells us, we should not give up meeting together. Hebrews 10.24, do not give up meeting together. And then it says, as some are in the habit of doing. That verse is just as applicable today as it was back then. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And so the New Testament does not say you're required to refrain from work on Sunday. If it did, I would be breaking that commandment every single week. Sunday is the day where I work the most usually, right? All ministers would be breaking that commandment every single week. The New Testament doesn't say you're required to refrain from work on Sunday. But considering the fact that it calls Sunday the Lord's Day, considering the importance that it gives of meeting together on the first day of the week, we need to ask ourselves... If there are things in our lives that are preventing us from gathering with the body of Christ on Sundays. We all need to ask ourselves, are there things in my life, things in my life that are preventing me from gathering with the body of Christ on Sunday? And I'm not talking about medical issues and things like that here. I'm talking about things that we can do something about. Things that we have allowed into our schedules. And now they are preventing us from gathering with the body of Christ on Sunday. Let's think about some of those things for a second. Let's think about a job. Now, we all understand that we must make money for our families. 
especially for those of us who are men. The New Testament says in 1 Timothy, if you do not provide for your immediate family, you are worse than an unbeliever. It actually says that. Right? This is a high calling. We need to provide for our families. This is serious. But if we refuse to even consider a change in career for the spiritual well-being of ourselves and our families, what does that tell us about our priorities? If we refuse to ever even consider a change in my career, in my job, so that I can attend worship with the body of Christ, with my family, on Sundays regularly, if I refuse to ever even consider that because that's how I provide for my family, what does that tell us about our priorities? Let's think about hobbies. Some of us have hobbies that sometimes keep us away from gathering with the body of Christ on Sundays. Or parents, let's think about the activities our kids are involved in. Parents, let me ask you this question. What are we teaching our kids if we consistently miss worshiping God with the body of Christ for sports? What are we teaching our kids? What are we teaching them, not with our words, with our actions? Let me ask you this question, parents. How many times do you miss sports for the worshiping of the body of Christ? How many times do you say to your kids, no, we are not going to that sporting event because we're going to worship with the body of Christ. We're going to worship God this morning. Are we teaching our kids that God and the body of Christ are more important than sports? Are we teaching our kids that God and the body of Christ are more important than camping? Or being at the lake? Or are we teaching it the other way around? And again, it's not about teaching them with your words. What are we teaching them with our actions? Our actions. Or let's think about how busy we are on Saturdays. I have a pastor that I follow on Twitter. Every Saturday, he puts this on there. Every Saturday, Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. How many of us are fine with missing worshiping God on Sunday mornings because we got in late on Saturday night? Now, not even to mention the fact that the worship service itself doesn't even start till 10 a.m. And all you're doing is sitting there and singing and listening. But I digress. But think about this. How many of us are fine with missing worship because we got in late on a Saturday night, but we would never miss work on Monday morning for the same reason? Where's our priorities, people? What is the most important thing in our lives? Our actions reveal what is the most important thing in our lives. Not what we say is most important. How do we actually act? I want to give every one of us in here a challenge this morning. Every single one of us in here a challenge this morning. I want to challenge you right here, right now, for the rest of your life, To make Sunday the Lord's Day in your mind and in your heart. Sunday is the Lord's Day. I'm going to give it to the Lord and to the body of Christ. To dedicate your Sundays to the Lord. I want to challenge you to guard your Sundays from becoming too busy. Because this is the Lord's Day. Specifically, if you're a member of this church... I am challenging you right now 
to give the Lord and His church here at Columbia Christian three hours of your time on Sundays. I'm challenging you right now. I'm going to get practical with this. This is not a biblical rule that we're laying down from the Bible. I just want to challenge you as your pastor. If you're a member of this church, would you give three hours of your Lord's Day each week to gathering with the body of Christ? One hour for Sunday school. If you don't attend a Sunday school class, you can get in one. We've got Sunday school classes here, and we come to Sunday school to study God's Word together because we're pursuing the Lord. We want the Lord. We want to grow in the Lord. It's more important than me getting one more hour of sleep. It's so much more important than me getting one more hour of sleep. I'm ready to go to bed an hour earlier on Sunday or on Saturday night so that I can get up one hour earlier and study the Word of God with His people. One hour for Sunday school, one hour for the worship service each week, and one hour for Sunday evening service. Now some of you might think, John, what's the point of coming back to church a second time and doing church all over again? That's not what our Sunday evening service is, brothers and sisters. Sunday evening service here is a lot different than Sunday morning service. It's more laid back, but it's more than just that. Sunday evening service, we do offer communion because there are some of those on Sunday evening who come who cannot attend Sunday morning worship, and so they they get communion with the body of Christ on Sunday evenings. But also in our Sunday evening service, we're typically having a a missionary or some kind of missions organization that we support come in and speak to us to help us understand where some of our money goes that we give in the offering each week. And we spend significant time praying each Sunday evening for needs within the body of Christ, and those are always changing every week. So our prayer time each week is often different. But I want to challenge you, if you're a member of this church, would you commit to Sunday being the Lord's Day, one day of seven, to give three hours of that one day to gathering with the body of Christ? Sunday school, the worship service, and a Sunday evening service. Now having said all of this, we want to bring it back to Jesus because that's the point of everything here. And Jesus, we know from Reading our New Testaments, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets, I came to fulfill them. And Jesus is the fulfillment, brothers and sisters, of the Sabbath. Jesus says in Matthew 20, 11, 28, Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I will give you rest. What Jesus is saying there is not, come to me, all of you who had a hard Saturday, and you can sit down and take it easy. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, come to me, all of you who have been working so hard to give yourself a clear conscience. Come to me, all of you who have been striving so hard to make yourself right with God. Come to me, And I'll give you rest in that. You can rest. You can have blessed assurance that Jesus is yours, that you are right with the Father because you came to Him through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the rest that He is talking about. The rest of not having to work for your salvation. Not having to work for a clear conscience. Not having to work for the Father's approval. He will give it to you in grace, in undeserved mercy and grace, if you will simply come to Him through His Son, Jesus. Hebrews 4, starting in verse 8, says this, 
For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. What's, what's it talking about there? Joshua in the Old Testament. Remember, Joshua was the one who brought the people into the promised land. When they came into the promised land, they had to fight for it. They had to defeat all of the nations that were already in there. And then once they were done, there was a sense of rest. There were a sense of, now we can live in the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Hebrews tells us, if Joshua had given them actual rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on, but he didn't. He didn't give them the rest that they were all looking for in their hearts. And so then, Hebrews 4, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Brothers and sisters, this is not just talking about when we go to our final rest after death. It's talking about here and now. We enter God's promise rest and we rest from our works. We rest from works as something that can save us. And we say, I can't save myself. We cannot be saved by our works. We can only be saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Would you come rest in that? Would you come experience that rest? I know so many of you know what it feels like to be striving for a clear conscience and you can't get it. You can't find it. You cannot feel right with God. You've tried. You've tried as hard as you can and you have not found it. It can only be found in the rest of faith in Jesus Christ. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus is calling to you today with that. What will you do with His words? What will you say? How will you respond to Jesus? That's where I want to leave us this morning as we go into our prayer time. Each week here at Columbia Christian, we have a time of silent prayer after the sermon because we want every single person to have time to respond to God, to what He's put on their hearts with His Word. And so, whatever that looks like for you, we're asking everybody right now to respond to the Lord in prayer, to speak to God because He has just spoken to you. So what do you now speak to Him? Respond to the Lord in prayer and what He's put on your heart. And after we have a time of private response through prayer, we'll come back, we'll have a time where those who need to can publicly respond to God's Word. So let's pray together.